Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original... I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the 1995 Tokyo Metro sarin gas incident. Here's what you need to know. On the morning of March 20th, 1995, millions of people rode the subway during Tokyo's busy rush hour. But unbeknownst to the commuters, 11 carefully placed packages were also aboard five of the trains heading toward Kasumegaseki, the government epicenter in Japan. The packages were slowly leaking a deadly toxin as part of an apocalyptic plot orchestrated by the doomsday cult Am Shinrikyu. Am Shinrikyu which means Supreme Truth, was initially founded by Shoko Asahara as a yoga and spiritual group. As the program's popularity grew, Asahara developed a doctrine mixing Hindu, Buddhist, and Christian beliefs, and the group gained official status as a religious organization in 1989. 
Asahara soon declared himself to be a prophet with supernatural abilities promising enlightenment to those disenchanted by society. The new religion recruited thousands of members globally, but in Japan, it specifically targeted the country's brightest minds, young chemists, biologists, doctors, and computer programmers. Asahara assigned leadership roles to his most loyal followers, creating a hierarchy of faithful members using mind control, psychedelic drugs, secret rituals, violence, and blackmail. In 1990, Asahara and other ALM members ran for the Daieto, Japan's government, but lost all of their elections. Realizing he could not achieve his religion's goals within the system, Asahara began preaching an approaching Armageddon. The cult began experimenting with chemical weapons, using the tools of modern science to arm themselves against an apocalypse of biblical proportion. Alm was extremely well-connected, and many members held important jobs in government and law throughout Japan. Along with significant donations from its members, Alm also funded their mission by manufacturing methamphetamines and selling them to the Japanese mafia, the Yakuza. In 1994, the cult did a trial run using their chemical weaponry, releasing sarin gas in residential areas of Matsumoto City. The toxic gas killed seven people, and the police suspected Alm was responsible and owned compounds filled with deadly chemicals, but no action was taken. Asahara designated Alm's chief scientist, Hideo Murai, to orchestrate the attack, and he assigned Ikuyu Hayashi, Toru Toyoda, Yasuo Hayashi, Masato Yakuyama, and Kenichi Hiroz to carry out the mission. And so, on the morning of March 20th, 1995, these five ALM members boarded different trains across Tokyo's vast subway system. Holding a package in one hand and an umbrella in the other, they disappeared amongst the crowds of commuters. Around 8 o'clock, as all five trains approached Kasumegaseki, the heart of Tokyo's government district, the men laid their bags on the floor and punctured them with the tips of their umbrellas. Each man exited the trains as soon as the doors opened, fleeing to the getaway cars parked outside. Within minutes, the subway cars filled with toxic, invisible fumes as thousands of passengers clutched their throats, choking for air, collapsing to the floor, vomiting from the nausea, and foaming at the mouth, their bodies violently spasming. On one train, a man kicked the package onto the platform when the doors opened, as commuters staggered towards the exits, gasping for breath as their vision weakened from the gas. Chaos erupted above ground as hundreds of victims from dozens of different subway entrances emerged from the underground war zone. As police and emergency services struggled to make sense of the pandemonium, Tokyo's exceptionally efficient subway continued to spread the sarin gas. One train carrying the deadly chemical passed through Kasumegaseki three times before it was finally stopped. Fun Facts, aka Death Stats. At the time, Om claimed to have 9,000 members in Japan and as many as 40,000 worldwide. The Japanese government estimated the cult had assets worth over 100 billion yen, or approximately $1 billion at its height. On the day of the attack, 5,510 victims were treated at a hospital. 17 were deemed critical, 37 severe, and 984 moderately ill with vision problems. 
For many years, there were a total of 12 fatalities from the attack. In 2008, a survey of victims determined that a man who had died the day after the attack had also been killed by sarin inhalation, and the death toll was raised to 13 people. In 2020, another victim, who had been bedridden for 25 years since the attack, died. Her cause of death was determined to be caused by sarin poisoning, making her the attack's 14th fatality. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is friend of the Alarmist podcast, everyone's favorite, Georgia Mishak. Hi, Georgia. Hello. You're everyone's favorite, Georgia Mishak. Mm. Okay, well, let's not put it that way. I like the <laughs> previous, just everyone's favorite person, <laughs> period. I'll tell you what would be tough. If you were everyone's second favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I want to meet that first one. I meet kill, too. I'm going to kill her. <laughs> See, as a Chris Smith, <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I'm just happy to be ranked top right. 20. Yeah, honestly, that's huge. People's, people's Chris favorite Chris Smiths. You're my maybe like a ton of us. 14th, but. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I know a lot Pretty of people. There's a lot I'll of good it. Chris Smiths out there, to it's, be fair. There's a lot of them. They're really <laughs> there's good. There's a lot of them. <laughs> Not to mention Chris Smuss. Yes. Which is coming up. Chris huh. Smuss. Chris Smith. Chris Smith. <laughs> oh, I... Right. Merry Christmas, Smith. I got it. I finally got it. <laughs> Georgia, we like to start off the show, as you know, by asking our guests, what is something that's recently alarming you? What's something that's keeping you up at night? Why is this such a hard question? It, there's too many things. But here, how about this? Instead of something that's alarming, can I discuss a near disaster? Um, that alarmed sure. you? Yeah. Here, okay. Yes, it did alarm me. Okay. A lot of things about this alarmed me. And you were all present Uh-oh. for this. <gasps> Whoa. Oh. I'm going to tell you guys, sorry, all of the listeners, but we all spent Thanksgiving together. Mm-hmm. Right. And sorry to you because my... <laughs> you weren't invited. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of other Christmas on the list, but mm-hmm. this one made it. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. I brought my child and I forgot to bring him a sippy cup. Mm. Hugo. And so I asked, his name is Hugo. And Rebecca said, and I said, Rebecca, do you have any straws? And Rebecca and Chris were like, no, Georgia, we don't have any straws because you told us to get rid of them 10 years ago when you were freaking out about your plastic straw thing. Great. Then Rebecca said, wait, Georgia, wait. And she went into an old purse and found a metal straw that I had given to her. Mm. That's right. <laughs> that she that, had. And maybe uh, I would say five years ago. Five years ago. And it saved the day. But uh-huh. here's what alarmed me. Is that Rebecca <laughs> admitted that she had never used it. Oh. Well, I, in all fairness, I had to search multiple. I knew it was in a bag. I didn't know which one. It was a lot of work, but thank you for holding on to it for five years just so my child could one day need it. But you were alarmed that Rebecca hadn't used it. Now, Rebecca, do yeah. you care about the environment I or do. is the environment and turtles and stuff like that something you just don't give a shit about? I love turtles mm-hmm. and okay. I love the environment. Okay. I prefer if if i'm not going to use a straw i just sip it from the side sure you know i'm I'm old school that way Mm -hmm. yeah well you're not a toddler Mm -hmm. you didn't need it (laughs) now we're just realizing you know what the only people who really need straws 
They're toddlers. Right. So I just know, and, well, and, but also yeah, old I, old people. Well, I would say oh, okay. that that's, that's true. Yeah. Sure, but I would say down. that that's true for the most part. It's, except Rebecca, you do spill on your shirt a stunning <laughs> amount. <laughs> Wow, the truth well, comes this out. is TMI, you guys. This is not TMI. <laughs> this is this is this is very uh, um, innocent banter, but you definitely do spill a lot. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. This feels uncomfortable for me. So toddlers, old people, and Rebecca are yeah. those who need straws. Everybody else, you guys, just give up the plastic straws. So Georgia, you. Have been to Tokyo. It's what you've told me. It's one of your favorite cities in the world. Absolutely, I love it so much. I love Japan in general, and I finally went in 2019 before the pandemic hit, thankfully. And uh, yeah, it met all of my expectations. And then I was like, what? I need to go back immediately. But then I couldn't because you know, right again, the pandemic. Right now. Did you ride their subway system? I did. While you were there. I did. Mm. Their subway system is amazing. In LA, we never use the subway. We have one. I don't know if you guys knew that. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we Nobody. Have you ever used the LA subway? A couple I of have. times. We have. Yeah. Oh, yes. okay. Well, <laughs> but like a handful. Mind. You know what I mean? Like never mind. Certainly not a lot. I haven't because I like to use my car because it is worse for the environment. Right. 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 Yeah. But the... I, I, the, the metal straw offset it. Are... <laughs> so that's fine. Um, their subway is, I mean, I'm speechless. It is immaculate. It is so organized. Mm-hmm. Everyone is respectful. That's another thing is people in Japan are like respectful of one another. Mm-hmm. And there's no chaos getting on and off of a subway. People line mm-hmm. up. You line right. the fuck up to get on it and you respect that line. Wow. Um, it's incredibly efficient. Apparently, if I I wasn't going to work, but apparently if your train is late and causes you to be late for work, the the folks working at the train station will write you a note being like, mm, it's, no <laughs> way. Yeah, because they're like, no it's never late. True. And if it's late, it's like, oh, well, I, we'll tell on. you, this was a big thing. This right. was a big thing for this train to be late. So, and then your boss is like, oh, wow, really? The Yamanote line was... Wow. Anyway, um, but yeah, it was so imagine the chaos that must have, ha- you know, uh, how how um, shocking it must exactly. Have been exactly. for what... the daily commuter commuters on March 20th, 1995, when chaos ensued. This is crazy. So this it's whole so thing is wild. I can't believe I don't know about it. Like, this yeah, is... no. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, do you want to jump in, see and uh, talk about uh Yes, let's jump Shoko. right in and let's let's talk about the um let's talk about the cult mm. actually first. Let's put uh Om Shinrikyo up on the board. And this is according to Wired magazine. It's an article that came out in nineteen ninety-six. Om's insidious influence seemed to reach into every corner of society. The cult reportedly counted among its flock as many as 40 young bureaucrats from Japan's top ministries, plus tax collectors and regional judges. Om's membership list also included more than 100 experts in engineering, communications, computing, and high-tech firms. Om's scientists were fascinated by electronics and the brain. Their main focus was in finding new ways to achieve mind control. One set of tests performed by Dr. Hayashi used 
electric shocks to wipe the memories of suspicious followers. Om's forays into conventional weapons were alarming enough, as were the cult's eerie experiments with electrodes, drugs, and mind control. But where Asahara and his mad scientists charted new ground was in their pursuit of weapons of mass destruction. The cult, now endowed with millions of tax-free dollars, had built a vast automated plant to mass-produce sarin. Others worked on synthesizing mustard gas. In cult biolabs, technicians cultured agents that, uh, that cause anthrax, Q fever, and botulism. Assembly lines were set up to produce 1,000 Russian machine guns and tons of TNT. All this would enable Alm to survive apocalypse and inherit the Earth. A lot to unpack here. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So they were obsessed with end of times. And they had quite the setup, it seems. I mean, they were very wealthy. They had, at at their height, they had 40,000 members these were the 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 youngest and the brightest of of society and it 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 just feels like so much time energy and smarts Mm. was going into these wild yeah going to the uh, wrong place (laughs) dark yeah like really there there was a lot of darkness there they did a lot of uh recruiting of uh really smart people right they would go and recruit young uh smart people right i I think they were just drawn i i think a lot of these smart people were drawn i don't know how much recruiting they actually did in in that like they weren't like confusing people well, or manipulating people to join well didn't they they would make videos like he they, they would make uh anime and uh that kind of thing to sort of pr- promote um the leader uh uh shoko asahara and promote his sort of like to promote the teachings of, of the group i'm pretty sure they would do right you know that kind of recruiting um and then also you know they would bring on these really these scientists and stuff i feel like and um, they also and i'm sure we'll get into this later but um it was a lot of like talking about the, the things they were preaching were kind of like breaking away from like a rigid education system that leads to a very rigid and boring like professional life and it was speaking to like, right you know, kind of breaking out, which probably was very desirable to like a new younger generation coming up and looking for. And uh, also when was this? Yeah. Did you say this was founded in the eighties or did he, or like he evolved it sort of. Yeah. So one thing also I remembered kind of was the nineties were a weird time in Japan because they had just gone through like the seventies and the eighties were these like moments of like huge growth, like mm. lots of like cash influx into the country, a lot of, and because they had this, there was a much more sort of freedom in the design. You notice like a lot of just the architecture um, around the country was sort of a little bit more playful or having mm. more fun of like, we can try something different here. And then the nineties hit and there was a recession and the government, um, I guess this sounds a little familiar. <laughs> the government started raising interest rates. Yeah. And then that like fucked everything. And I don't, sorry if anyone like knows no, more about the economy. I don't. But, um, and then that like, and then the country went into a recession until to, from basically 1990 or 91 to 2000. Mm. So 
And then this was a time where all these young people perhaps were not able to get the entry level jobs, which they normally expected they would easily go into, you know, normally like salary man jobs. Um, mm. It's just like an office worker. Like though, if those weren't around anymore, then maybe we're looking elsewhere. Mm, and that's a, yes. I think that was a big part of the draw mm-hmm. for this cult. And it's called the, it's called the nineties. Sorry, the 90. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll let you what lead this <laughs> alarmist no, no, podcast. Since it's your I... podcast. <laughs> you got it, Georgia. I was going to say, it's, called, it. it's the 90s were called the lost decade. Mm. So if it's too soon, I was just going to say, put the lost decade up on the board. But yeah, again, yeah. Oh, I love it. You, well, we're going to come you back are to it. And I, let's put it up. Let's put, put it, up, it up. And we'll come back to it. What okay. I wanted to do was talk about the leader. Yes. Sure. First. I'll allow it. Great. So we can, <laughs> so we can understand, um, uh, who was leading this cult. This is according to the New York Times. And if we could put the leader, uh, Shoko Asahara was his name. Mr. Asahara was the son of a tatami mat maker. As a boy attending a school for the blind, Shoko Asahara was weak-sighted but had better vision than his classmates. So he emerged as the king of the school. In 1984, he launched a company called Om that ran a yoga school and sold health drinks. He traveled to India and Nepal to study Hinduism and Buddhism, and he came back with photos of himself with senior Tibetan lamas, including the Dalai Lama. He used these photos to portray himself as an internationally respected religious authority, and his yoga school became extremely successful. In 1987, with just 10 followers, Mr. Asahara founded Om Shinrikyo as a religious sect. In earlier years, Alm seemed to want to work within the system. In 1990, Mr. Asahara and many of his aides ran for parliament, although all lost. Alm became more radical and its theology more apocalyptic. And some people believe that the reason has to do with Mr. Asahara's deteriorating health. Some people suggest that his confrontation with his mortality have encouraged him toward a more apocalyptic vision of the future and perhaps even toward technologies of extermination such as nerve gas. Mr. Asahara increasingly has come to emphasize a Manichaean vision of the world in which good and evil are in a constant battle. He sometimes seems to see himself cast as the force that will rise up and destroy the evil in order to save the world. Wow. Personality. (laughs) Yikes, Um, my guy. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. And and for his formative years were spent at this school for the blind where he he was blind in one eye, but he had limited vision in in another eye. What I heard or or what I read was that he would um, offer his classmates to take them to lunch or dinner if they would pay for him. Hmm. So that was like, oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, he was, he kind was of like a bully. working around the system. Right. He was like taking advantage, taking advantage. Yeah. Right. of the situation. Wow. Right. Can I just say this is, uh, I feel like young men, we have a problem mm. across <laughs> humanity, across cultures. Yeah. We don't know what to do with troubled young men. Yeah. I feel like I was, they yeah. need some extra support. And when they don't get it, 
or maybe they're shamed because they're going through something difficult. I, I think that it's just like the narrative mm-hmm. has to be shifted to where it's like, you're not weak because you're having problems. Like we will, as a community, like we will swoop in and support you like any good family does to like a family member who's having a problem. But it seems like when it's someone you don't know, it's easy to just like write people off. And I feel like if you get isolated enough, then you start to, I don't know, like there's a toxicity that enters and then that can leach yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you're saying like a toxic masculinity, perhaps? I don't know. But up on I, the board? No, it's not toxic. To- I mean, that's the thing. But I'm more just concerned about this notion of like we're we're failing young people, yeah. in particular mm-hmm. young young boys. Who? So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like we're not. It's like almost like it's on us. Like we. So should we put Clayton's name on? Yeah, the Clayton. <laughs> You, there's like shit like, like yeah, there's yeah, a shame. societal like the stresses of it yeah yeah uh, something that has to do with um not yeah it's like not having the right resources community community yeah. uh communication Support. the the communication skills mm-hmm. i think they um, have a japan has a real and you know I, i'm sorry if i'm not like speaking so correctly to this but i know they're Society is it's it's certainly not like in America where there's there's more freedom. I don't want to say there's like not freedom of expression. There is, but like you know, there's societal norms that you have to respect a little bit more. And like that's right. and no and people don't really question that. And sometimes that's really beneficial. For example, like, you know, when if we're all waiting for the bus, we're going to wait in line who Whoever came first gets on first, that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. which benefits everybody. But then what are the ways in which it can constrict people a bit and make them need to try something else? And then like when they're trying something else, they're trying something like a little too far off the Right. It can, it, it, <laughs> like, yeah, it can happen, of course. And also, you know, uh, like a cult like this, which is sort of dependent on a very top-down mm-hmm. sort of hierarchical structure, um, I think people who feel a sense of sort of, you know, being lost or being um, on the outside of society looking in feel a sense of like comfort mm-hmm. from that kind of from that kind of regimented mm-hmm. uh environment should yeah. we put cult mentality up there while we're while we just said mm. cult yeah might as well i, mean, I feel like I there's mean, some yeah. cult what, what, elements what? to this don't you yeah oh, oh no totally for sure he's this very overconfident leader who needs to be a leader himself probably more for you know just like for his narcissism maybe (laughs) than anything else and then like i love clayton saying leech before like it leeches out where Mm. he's like you know i've i now found some confidence in myself where i can con my classmates into buying me lunch or whatever and then it's like and it's you know this snowball effect of it grows and grows and grows so he's like well that felt good what's the next thing what's the next thing Mm -hmm. yeah let's put let's put that up on the board um, I also f- want to put, may- maybe this will help us uh, a little bit here, uh, youth discont- discontent with Japanese society. Mm. This is according to Religious Terrorism in Japan, The Fatal Appeal of Am Shinriko by Daniel A. Mitro. 
Om rejected and tried to rise above Japan's social milieu. It became a haven for a few members of a younger generation of Japanese, either unable or unwilling to adjust to their highly conformist social environment. Om's members in Japan apparently share the misgivings that many young Japanese have with the current state of their society. They were born in the 1960s and 70s and have only known a prospering Japan that was rapidly becoming one of the world's economic giants Mm -hmm. plausible explanations start from the fact that many younger japanese are embarking on a massive search for meaning in life and are turning to spirituality for the psychological assurances that materialism has failed to provide om's teachings and the charisma of its leader were well placed to attract a younger japanese whose quest for meaning in their lives proved to be more important than a successful career in a materialistic world so this is kind of playing into what you were saying earlier Uh, Georgia about them coming off of a period of economic Mm -hmm. boom. And now all of a sudden, when you're all of your needs are met, and society is content to a certain extent, economically, you start going within and asking yourselves, well, what is my purpose? Mm. What is what do I do now? Mm -hmm. When, When I'm when my purpose is not just to survive or make enough money, when I have time to let the thoughts in my head ruminate mm-hmm. for a little while. Mm-hmm. What do I do with that? Ooh. And there's no yeah. sort of like when, practice, a, when an know? episode and Netflix ends of your favorite show and you have that 10 seconds before the next <laughs> one is about to start and your mind just starts to run wild. Yeah. What's going to happen? I hate those 10 right. seconds. I hate that downtime. So you start the next one next. before you go. Yeah. I wish next it, I wish it would start skip. six yeah. seconds. Just next episode. Now. now. Give it to me now. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the alarmist. It's like the the week yeah. between each episode is like really dangerous. We should really yeah. pick up our you pace. You guys actually. should do more. <laughs> it is. It is. We need to do more. I'm worried about society now. Yeah, I'm yeah. worried about it's people tough. joining cults. But, In you know, between episodes, between Thursday <laughs> and Tuesday. Yeah. It's possible. Um, I also this is a a, a big one. I'm going to take a big swing here, but I want to put science fiction up on the board. Okay. Mm. Okay. Now, uh, bear with me, because there's a little bit to read here. Okay. This is according to uh, an article in Wired magazine. Asahara found the weak point in Japan's new generation and then pressed with every resource he had. In magazines, videos, and books, he took his message to the youth of his country, appealing to the lost and alienated. All members wrote stories and plays to ads, claiming they had gained powers of telepathy and levitation, offering to teach others these secret skills. They favored publications, a booming genre of science fact, science fiction magazines with names like Moo and Twilight Zone. The magazines were only part of a wave of popular culture that dealt in in the far out and the fantastic. Young people immerse themselves in a world of fantasy, movies, cartoons, computer games, comics, in violent tales of half-human, half-computer cyborgs, and explosive galactic battles fought between super beings. All this was fertile ground for Asahara and his apocalyptic vision. Quote, the empire will vanish and all its good with it. Its accumulated knowledge will decay and the order it has imposed will vanish. It could be Shoko Asahara talking, but it's actually Hari Selden, a science fiction figure 10,000 years in the future. Selden is the key character in the Foundation series, Isaac Asimov's classic sci-fi epic, and he would give Mirai, the chief scientist of Alm, an engineer of the apocalypse, and Alm, their high-tech blueprint for the millennium and beyond. 
Selden is a brilliant mathematician who discovers psychohistory, the, the science of true prediction, and warns that the galactic empire will fall into ruin for thousands of generations. Interstellar war, wars will be endless. Selden talks a skeptical but threatened government. Interstellar trade will decay. Populations will decline. The world will lose touch with the main body of the galaxy. So in an interview, Mirai... Uh, would state matter-of-factly that Alm was using the Foundation series as a blueprint for the cult's long-term plans. He gave the impression of a graduate student who had to read too many science fiction novels, remembered uh, one reporter, but it was it real enough to the cult. Shoka Sahara, the blind and bearded guru from Japan, had become Hari Selden, and Alm's supreme truth was the Foundation. So it almost felt like they were... They lived in this world where the, you know, the the lines between what was real and what was science fiction were constantly being crossed. And that was well, perhaps fun for them. Well, why? You know, it's like, why are people needing that escapism? You know, like what's leading them to that? I also think there's a part of a world that, um, you know, Japan has seen some fantasy before that. Like I wouldn't say this was like necessarily new Mm -hmm. but i mean even even an artist um you've probably heard of hokusai he he painted the great wave you know you see that picture it's like people reuse it everywhere Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it's like from a series of like um some like a hundred views of mount fiji or something anyways but like some of his early work he had like uh, octopuses going down on women and, you know, some crazy stuff, mm. like wild, fantastical, really wild images. And this is like the 1800s. So I think oh. that isn't necessarily, and not that he's the only <laughs> reason or something, but, but like, it wasn't, I don't think this was like a new revelation for this science fiction, anime, fantastical, like escapist kind of, um, mm. I ideas, but he probably used it as a and like a as propaganda for the first time. Right, like that's how he like turned it. Of like, we know this, we know you like it, we know we need to escape. How do I control you through it and make mm. you believe X Y Z to f- eventually follow me? Or and what's fascinating is like we already covered that this, these aren't just like, um, I mean, they're smart young people, right? So it's yeah. like, yeah. you're not, uh, I don't know how to say this in a nice way, but it's like, it's not like someone who's just like really impressionable and maybe ha- doesn't have like a exposure to like a world beyond where they grew up in a small town. It's right. like, mm-hmm. these are, you got to think educated, worldly young people and they're buying into right. things like the end of the world is coming. We're the only ones who are going to survive it. We need to arm ourselves with chemical it's like that's so fascinating to me how mm-hmm. that journey and i know we've yeah it goes back to that whole cult mentality but people want to do that i mean i feel like we're seeing that in our own country oh, right yes. now people wanting to believe some crazy ass shit mm. well i also think we gotta and we'll probably talk about this but we have to talk about um america's bombing of hiroshima and nagasaki um because for 
the leader Shoko Asahara to kind of come up with this end times sort of scenario where the U.S. deploys nuclear weapons against Japan, mm-hmm. which is what he outlined, right, and said that would happen in 1997 or whatever. I think the it, you know science fiction, sure, Asimov, sure, like of course you know you can throw that up on the board for now. But I also think the actual events of nuclear weapons, like PTSD, nuclear weapons. Or just that that exists in the in the mind and the history sure. of a country of a people. Right. Um, it doesn't just happen once and then you say, "Oh, now the war is over. Like everybody's better. Like this shows up again, like PTSD or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like an acid flashback or something. Like these things have residual outward effects. And mm-hmm. you know, for him to imagine right. this, I think you know, for it to have happened is is kind of important for us to think about. Like, it was like, if this is true, then what? Then what's next? Mm -hmm. If they've already done this, then think of what we, like... Of course. Of what could happen. That's... Yep. That's interesting. (laughs) Maybe. So that's like their alarmism. That's... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how to put that. Um, I was thinking Japan's nuclear history and PTSD. Yes. Uh huh. P- uh, yes. Maybe just I, I PTSD. Can do yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm trying know. to think of how to how to meld the two together, where it's like it's that feeling of being overwhelmed of, like of not knowing where society, yeah, where society is going, and also having that history at the same time, hmm. uh, <sighs> which well, which those are- is like very. Um, depressing and and not a hopeful it's not going to lead to a hopeful potential right, outcome right. those are distinct ideas i think you have on the one hand you know the economic depression which you know makes people you know seek sort of salvation or some kind of community elsewhere outside of society outside of the economic system but then you also on the other hand i think just the history of the country having been attacked, you know, what, 40 years earlier, um, to me, I think is a distinct, is there's a distinction there. I also feel like we can put up the, uh, well, two, two more things, two, two things I, I want to add, which are Japan's educational system and, uh, the appeal of the apocalypse. Mm. Um, wow. Okay. So, for for Japan's educational system, this is according to religious uh, terrorism in Japan, the fatal appeal of Aum Shinriko. Winston Davis and others blame Japan's dogmatic educational system for the training of scientists who can create a lethal brew of sar- sarin gas for Ashihara, but cannot understand the difference between a true spiritual leader and a murderous madman. The teaching of science in Japan calls for questions and answers that are black and white. Students are not taught to think critically and independently. Their restrictive education and the prospect of any equally boring and restrictive career in industry makes Asahara's false promise of scientific freedom sound very appealing. Yeah, it's like you can educate somebody in science and math, but you can't educate them in sort of having a sense for whether they're being told a lie or whether Mm. they can Mm. find somebody else to be trustworthy like what makes somebody trustworthy it's like hard it's hard to put that in a curriculum your social and emotional education 
IQ, right, exactly. I wonder. I mean, I don't know if America's educational system does <laughs> I, any better. I, I don't think and so. I'm, I'm and pretty I think sure we edu- don't. Yeah, and just like basic <laughs> So we're certainly not, I, yeah. I think so. I, that's probably just a, a flaw in in many educational systems, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a good question. It's control. That's power. Those are things that you can kind of like at recess. You know what I mean? Yeah. You kind of... <laughs> You, you you learn which kids you can get along mm-hmm. with. You learn which kids you can't get mm-hmm. along with. And um, I but I don't know how you form a curriculum out of that. If you know, I don't know if that's a failure of the education system. But it's it's a really interesting sort of idea. It it is. Um, it seems like it was like confluent. Like everything sort of came together at the right time for this to for this to become a thing. Like mm-hmm. we've got you know, decades of a specific kind of education. We've had big growth and now we're, ha- we're, you know, having At, a big plus trouble a charismatic with our- leader. Yeah. To, I mean, and that's this cause. That's always what you want is just someone to be like, just someone help me. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do and make me feel better. Kind of. Well, and I think that there's something so um, attractive or appealing to people who are maybe, discontent or floundering about like the charisma of like a guru type or like that, mm-hmm. that leader type that like they come off as so they've got it all figured out and like, don't worry, mm-hmm. I, I can take care of this kind of thing. And it's mm-hmm. easy to buy into that. Um, Cause you don't have to think about it as much. You just kind of like listen to what they have to say and then life yeah. becomes a little more bearable. Right. Are you, yeah. Are you feeling really stressed out and stuff? Let me take care of you. Come under my wing. All you have to do is, you know, cause some terror attacks. <laughs> Whatever. And we'll do that. And no, don't no. don't read the fine. But it's yeah, fine goes. because then there's going to be an apocalypse. So it's all good. <laughs> um, this is a little different. Like, uh, but I'm watching the the Vow season two of the mm. Vow, which is the Nexium, um, sex cult thing. Uh, sex cult, right? Um, and they, uh, you know, in watching these videos of. Of, of these very smart, smart women and men, there's a part of you that like, w- the way they look at him is just like, ah, you said what I wanted to say. And that makes me feel like understood. And also like, I don't have to do the work mm. anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't have to think of the words. And, and, and there's got to be something like, so uh, attractive, obviously, to feeling understood, but also just someone who's going to do that, that kind of work for you. Especially <laughs> like if you're you not a leader like type, right? Behind. Yeah. If you're not the leader yeah, type. I can see the appeal. Yeah. And like someone takes that like burden on or that task on and they seem to be talking about like what you think you believe in or introducing you to something new. And you're kind of like, yeah, like that's good for, I, I trust that person. Like I'll, I'll follow them. Mm-hmm. Now I want to talk, we're running out of time, but I want to talk about the appeal of the apocalypse. Mm. Um, and this is, again, uh, uh, based off of religious terrorism in Japan, The Fatal Appeal of Am Shinrikyo uh, by Daniel Mitro. Am's idea of Armageddon is that we are now living through the last remnants of the period of Mapo, where the forces of evil will, will destroy themselves through war and that only the blessed few will survive. The draw of doomsday, why people look forward to the end, an article in Live Science said, according to author Lorenzo Di Tommaso, apocalyptic, apocalyptic beliefs have been on the rise for the past 50 years. 
What ties these disparate groups together is a sense that the world's problems are too big to solve. We no longer see ourselves as human beings able to solve these problems, DiTomaso said. From a biblical point of view, God is going to solve them. From other points of view, there has to be some sort of catastrophe. The apocalyptic worldview springs from a desire to reconcile two conflicting beliefs. The first is that there is something dreadfully wrong with the world of human existence today, he said. And on the other hand, there is a sense that there is a higher good or some purpose for existence, a hope for a better future. Viewing the world as a flawed place headed towards some sort of cosmic correction reconciles these two beliefs, DiTomaso said. To be reassured, however, in an end-of-world believer has to expect doomsday to come soon and has to expect to survive. Religious believers usually expect that they will be among those saved from the torments of an ending world. Mm Mm-hmm. This was big in America mm-hmm. in the mid-1800s. This was during the uh, industrialist age. There were like these utopia movements that started out, and it was based on this, uh, it was millennialists. And basically in the Bible, it's like there's this one group of people that will be able to survive the end times. And you kind of, if somebody sells you that, you want to be a part of that one group of people. Mm-hmm. But to, in order to believe, this goes back to what Clayton was saying, it's like ha- what kind of state of mind do you have to be in? in order to believe that that the end times is going to happen in your lifetime. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it seems like such a stretch, obviously, us sitting here right now, but... Um, well, I think know. some people believe it. I yeah. mean, but also maybe... It may be not so much of a stretch. I mean, I think, obviously, climate change... Is the most re- it's the most realistic of all the doomsday uh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> versions <true>. to me. <laughs> I suppose, and also nuclear, you know, nuclear weapons. Yeah. Right? That, that is yeah. a uh, immediate threat. That, that uh-huh. could definitely make you think about that. Yeah, but I'm for I mean, sure it, not stressed like living <laughs> in these times. I'm no. very relaxed. It's a, such a chill it's time. So chill. Yeah. I'm so happy to be, be alive now. Like in to have gone. Although all I this. do, I I do always say that I would if if. Uh, I've said this before. If I was going to time travel, I'd only time travel to right now. Mm. Like I wouldn't want it <laughs> like a minute ago. You'd go um, back before Thanksgiving, though. We can relive yeah. that wonderful year. I guess. <laughs> but I, at least for women, there's like no better time right. Than, right. than this than time. Yeah. Still pretty yeah. shitty. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully, the, I'd love to go into the future. Yeah. Let's go to the future. <laughs> and if the cross, earth although, is just, you know, scared. all torched, then, then great. <laughs> But um, what you were saying, uh, Chris, about like, you know, it happened in the 1800s. Um, I mean, I- I'm thinking of um, just like every cult has a version of this, right? Like uh, uh, Waco, David Koresh, mm-hmm. like that was like end of times and that was the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, uh, you know, Heaven's Gate was also uh, happening. There must have been something happening in the 90s air. Ooh, it's also just that. it's a timeless idea yeah. too, right? I mean, it right. comes up over and over. I mean, it's you know people just happen yeah. to think you know because and we were talking about this when we were talking about this podcast or yesterday, and you were saying um, you know it's it's when when problems become too big for us to comprehend, when the world becomes too big for mm-hmm. us to comprehend, which we can all relate to being you know, uh, in the internet age and having 24 hour news cycles where we just feel like there's so much for us to try and keep up with. Um, yeah, you, you do think about like these, 
it has to end. I'm sure it's going to end. I'm sure it has to come to an end because how how can we possibly, you know, keep a handle on all these things that are happening? So yeah, it's it's sort of just like a feeling of being totally overwhelmed by, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's something to put up on the board. I I feel like we could do overwhelmed. And also I want to make a case for (laughs) overzealous because I feel like to your point, it's like, Chris, about it happening across the board. It's not just bad things that we like kind of obsessed about it's also good things like they're gonna we get like too intense with our sports fanship or like <laughs> loving a famous person and we feel like we can accost them on the street you know like the way we right, we right. want to over drink because we're like feeling like we're in a party mood or we're like there's just a tendency of humans to like just go overboard and it sometimes can have really bad effects mm-hmm. yes overdoing it now clayton i feel like we have a good board right is there anything we want to add? Are we missing anything? I want to add one thing, which is I want to add General Douglas MacArthur to the board. Okay. Tell okay. us why. So World War II, mm-hmm. he's the Supreme Commander when we beat the Al- – he was the Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces in the Pacific. And when uh, the Japanese surrendered, um, MacArthur – uh, wanted to dismantle Shintoism, which is the religious sort of predominant religious belief, and they believed that their um, emperor, Japanese emperor, was divine. Uh-huh. Okay, he wanted to dismantle that because he felt that it was kind of key to sort of um, breaking up whatever they had going on, preventing communism, sort of making them more Americanized or democratic or whatever. So. With that huge end, what he did was he called on um, 10,000 missionaries, Christian missionaries, to go to Japan because he thought it was like um, there was a religious vacuum there. So this is an American general. <laughs> there was an opportunity. Okay, who, like, comes in there and, <sighs> like, a- after, after, you know, defeating the Japanese, he says, you know, and there's this religious vacuum and he just tries to plug in these American Christian missionaries. So I just think there's a Imposing lot. religion. Yeah, um, there's a lot there. When you think about like any kind of colonialism, it's always linked to religion. Right. Yeah. It's like usually Absolutely. the missionaries that think are about doing the, sp- the Spanish, right, coming up right. into America. You know? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that to me seems like a recipe and sort of a bedrock for this sort of vacuum or religious sort of transitional moment and then out of that, I think, you know, where people are looking for mm. or seeking, um, you know, a sort of religious order in their lives, out of that, I think Om Shinriko kind of could Blossoms. thrive. You yeah. know what I mean? It's sort of it's sort of like this topsoil there for the, right. for the Om Shinriko. Or like sort of- General MacArthur, like, set the standard for here's here's another option. Like, he kind of opened the door of if yeah. this is our one way of doing things, he's like, and also there's Christianity. Mm, and then everyone's right. like, okay, I'm cool with this. Like here, <laughs> here and there, I'll still go to my temple and, you know, da, 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 maybe. But then I think, a few years later, it's right. like, oh, well, I, you know, my, or my grandmother, like converted to Christianity. And so, and I love her or something. So maybe mm. I could look into something else. <laughs> I mean, I that a bit yeah, of this, this, these are great last minute additions. So let's put them up on the board. We're going to take a quick break and then we've got our work cut out for us. We got to yeah. start knocking things off quickly. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. 
imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, who's to blame for the 1995 Tokyo Metro Sarin gas incident? Is it Om Shinriko? The lost decade, Japan's recovering economy. Is it Shoko Asahara? The lack of community or social or societal support for struggling young people, mm. cult mentality, youth discontent with Japanese society, science fiction, Japan's nuclear history and PTSD, Japan's educational system, guru slash cult leader charisma, appeal of the apocalypse, overwhelmed humans, overzealous humans, or General Douglas MacArthur. <laughs> This is a good, mm-hmm. hefty, hefty mm-hmm. list. I feel like right off the bat, we can take science fiction off just because I, I don't think... Like, it's the same argument as like blaming video games for violence, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it feels sure. very similar to me. So, I would agree. Is there a way... I kind of think... I don't know if you're grouping things together anymore or if we like choose yeah, one we of still, these. We yeah. love to do okay, that. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> the Lost Decade, Youth Discontent and lack of community support for struggling young people, I think kind of fit or they are like under the last decade. Does that? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Lack of community and what was, and youth, and discontent. youth discontent are sort of like either subcategory yes. or like, do you know what I mean? Like they are already within the last. Okay. Great. Okay, this is great. great. I see. So we'll keep the last decade okay. up there still. Yeah. The other two in cult mentality. I think, 
we can fold that into into Shoko the, the Asahara, leader. right? Yeah, yeah. Shoko and mm-hmm. the you know, or the actual cult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, his charisma we can just fold right. into him mm-hmm. being the leader. The education, Japan's educational system. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just a bye goodbye. You, you think? <laughs> I think well, just. I think that. I don't think it's the educational system. I think right. it's the circumstances at the time. Right. Okay. It okay. contributes to a system that allows stuff like this to happen, perhaps. Right. But, it's not but yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what's really popping up to me, and I uh, overwhelmed humans. Mm. I'm really I like yeah, I like you that one. Too. I just said me do too because I because you're so overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> me do me too. do too. <laughs> me do. Um, maybe maybe I, think I like that good, more than yeah. overzealous humans. Maybe we can uh, put overzealousness into, into overwhelmed. I think yeah. so. Which leaves us with a good. I mean, a good amount here. Uh, the the. Japan's nuclear history and PTSD. That's 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 interesting as well. Um, okay, we've got the the cult mm-hmm. um, Shinriko. We've got the la- the lost decade, right? Mm-hmm. For the recovering economy. So the circumstances. Shoko Asahara, the leader. Japan's nuclear history. The appeal of the apocalypse. Overwhelmed humans and General Douglas MacArthur. I think you now, can fold appeal of the apocalypse into overwhelmed humans as well. Yes, let's do that. Okay. And I I feel like, let's remember, we're discussing what is to blame for the Sarin, you know, incident. The actual attack. Yeah, the attack. Yeah. So what is to blame for that? Obviously, the leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, but, <laughs> right. who called on the attacks, yes. right? Yes, go ahead. But I also think that without... There's no leader if there aren't any followers, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and and you, you were just talking about um, the vow and uh, the Nexium cult, mm-hmm. and what's evident to that, and is also um, evident about any organized crime, is that certain things go on, you know, not un, not uncontrolled or unbeknownst to the leader, but they happen sort of to gain the favor of the leader, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of once you create a machine and something mm. we didn't talk much about was, but Om Shinriko had a history of violence hmm. and a history of tamp, tamping down. This isn't the first dissenters. Uh, gas right. attack that they did. Right. And they, they also, and they had, uh, there were some murders that were linked to yeah. that. They shocked people um, who tried to like get out of the, who get out of it. Right. To like, Zap their memory. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think that all kind of falls it's, under Om Shinriko. Yeah, um, it wasn't an innocent book club. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You should be able to leave no. any club that you're a part no. of. And if you can't That's yeah. right, yes. <laughs> Without getting um your your memory yeah. like exactly. erased. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. No. Also, can you erase memories? Because I don't know. I I'd look they, into they, it a little bit. I think oh. they were able to. Yeah. I gotta give them a call. Oh, <laughs> Scary. Scary. <laughs> so then, are you making a case for putting Amshinriko, giving them a slap or a jail? Oh, um, or Shoko would yeah, have the like, slap. No. Well, oh, sorry. No, I, I think overwhelmed humans goes into Amshinriko and its followers, right? 
Sure. Yeah. Because and the history of Japan, uh, uh, nuclear history. um, I think that goes into over. I think you fold the history into overwhelmed humans. And then I think so, too. Mm. And and General Douglas MacArthur. I don't know if we can directly blame him. Mm. For setting the no. stage for no, you know religious agree. freedom, but a good honorable or, or mention for really sure. Freedom. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or dishonorable Below. mention. Yeah. Yeah. Dishonor- yeah. So what? What's really the three things here are are the cult, the actual cult, the, and its followers, the setting, right? The fact that it was a recovering economy, and you know, it set the stage for a cult like this to thrive. Mm-hmm. And the actual leader who took advantage of the situation. And I think ultimately, my my head's at, like, you blame the leader and mm-hmm. you slap the followers. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That feels right yeah. to me. Who actually did a lot in, you know, adding, you know, figuring out the science of how to gas people. Go on with the yeah, yeah, attacks. No, it's not a, like they were innocent in yeah. that, no, no, in that no. sense. That is a con- concerted effort by a group of people. Yeah. That is like a group effort. And there was like all kinds of cover-ups going on when they were developing all this stuff. And that's not just the leader. That's, mm-hmm. you know. Did you say also there was some research like they were working with the Yakuza at a certain point? Didn't you have that oh. in... Yes, I um th- they were either working with the yakuza or they were um like making that's how they were they made their fortune. Right. Um, either way, <laughs> being associated with uh some of these gangs. Um I'm I'm not totally clear on that. I hope hopefully a, a guest expert will be able to speak to that more clearly. Um uh, but they were definitely there was an involvement between the two. Right. Mhm. So I I think I'm going to call it. Can I get Wait, can I get, can yeah. the lost decade oh. get like a little slap? Oh, you want the backhand? Yeah, backhand. backhand. Thank you. <laughs> Just a little bit. The backhand is available to I us. I would thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, yes, because it really did set the perfect, you know, it was a setting for the perfect storm. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to call it. Om Shinrikyo, you're getting the big slap. Watch out the lost decade. Here comes the backhand. Shoko Asahara, you're going to the alarmist jail. This was a really wild one. Um, and I can't believe that we didn't know more about this. Yeah, me too. Um, Georgia, thank you for helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the Tokyo Metro sarin gas attack. We couldn't have done this without you. You're welcome. Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> my, my pleasure? Question mark? <laughs> A month after the subway attack, all member Hideo Murai, who had been in charge of designing the cult's chemical weapons, was ambushed by a Yamaguchi Gomi gang member and stabbed to death. In May 1995, Shoko Asahara was finally found and arrested. Asahara and 12 other Am cultists were executed by hanging in July of 2018 after all appeals were exhausted. The group has changed its name to Aleph, and reportedly still has between 1,000 to 2,000 members today. 
Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com. And follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Maria Blasucci. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Boston Tea Party. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.